we've scaled from a one-man band on our dining room table to a business with 750 clients in three years. A common mistake with a lot of our clients is they're running the business business first. They're not going, what do I want from my life? How am I going to achieve that? Okay, I'll use the business to get that. Nothing is more important than you. You can't plan everything on a spreadsheet. For lots of people, like filing your own tax return is like walking through airport security. You know you haven't done anything wrong, but you're still like a bit sweaty, a bit nervous. Yes. They'll earn their living for the year, pass over their records for the tax return. We'll say, this is your tax. And they'll go, right, I better start saving for that. If I could do one thing that we do now from the beginning, it would be board meetings. I know very few business owners who sit down every month and look at all of the risks within their business. It's not your fault we're not taught this stuff at school. Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Starting the Conversation, episode number 257. I'm your host, Alice Benham, joined this week for the first of two weeks by two guests who are partners in life, partners in business. It's the power couple, Rachel and James Harris from Strivex and Accountant She. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having us. And our first ever joint podcast appearance. Yeah, I'm getting an exclusive, yeah. This is James's first time on the waves. <laughs> Quite a big deal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very honoured. I said this earlier, to have a half day of both of your schedules, I think is uh, quite impressive, actually. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So appreciate you no making the time. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been introduced as the accountancy power couple before? Because I'm starting to think that should be... No. Kind of a tagline. Yeah, I like that. We've been called a power couple a few times. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about Normally it. Normally it's the accountancy personality of the year and James. <laughs> yeah, the accountancy <laughs> personality of the year and her husband, James. <laughs> do people do that? You kind of known as Rachel's husband. Quite often when we're, we're at accountant events, uh, people will come up, to come up to the group. They'll talk to me for about 10 minutes and then I'll, I'll say, by the way, I'm James's, uh, Rachel's husband. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've heard of you on, on the internet. Never seen you or heard your voice. I didn't know it was you. But yeah. <laughs> I love that. Do you kind of roll with that though? Is that your preference? Rather than being the one in the limelight, you're the plus one of the one in the limelight. Yeah, I like to hide behind the computer screen. That's my safe space. <laughs> Even that, like, it was literally intentional, right? Like, we're both two accountants. We're both massive introverts. And we were just plucking straws at the beginning of the business. Like, one of us needs to be the lead singer in this band. Like, who's it going to be? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and like, it was me. <laughs> I will be the Harry Styles. Yeah, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> yeah, step back everybody else. Yeah. I love that. Well, next week, people can tune in to hear more about that backstory and what happens behind the scenes of such a accountancy power couple i'm just gonna call you guys that now that's my new introduction <laughs> today we're going to talk a lot about your financial knowledge which both of you have been victim of me just asking you all of the questions possible every time i manage to get any of your time so thank you for agreeing to yet another opportunity for me to pick your brains because you guys just have so much knowledge i think not just because you're accountants and obviously like formally trained in money but also the way that you kind of manage your own finances, obviously the business's finances. I just feel like both of you are such a kind of wealth of knowledge. And as we've kind of already discussed a bit before off air, have some opinions that are maybe not every kind of financial expert might agree with, or maybe people wouldn't expect that you would have. So we're gonna dive into all things kind of money management, building wealth, the financial side of running a business, not just your basics, you know, what's profit, what's revenue, that kind of the other stuff we don't hear about. So to kick us off, what would be something that both of you think is kind of a common mistake that perhaps people make when it comes to like their money management or perhaps something that you wish like every business owner knew or did? I feel like a common mistake with a lot of our clients is they're running the business, business first. They're not going, what do I want from my life? How am I going to achieve that? Okay, I'll use the business to get that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. 
Interesting. So whenever we talk about our finances, we always go, this is where we want to be in five years. How much do we need to earn to get that? How do we make the business do that for us? Do you feel like people often just pick kind of random numbers because that's what oh my they think the next goal should be or what that person on Instagram is making? It's Instagram, it's TikTok. It's like hitting 10K months, six-figure businesses. And I feel like one of the first times that we, we have that friendship, Alice and I, where we don't see each other all the time, but when we do, it's like seven hours in Soho Farmhouse and we're like, oh gosh, whoops, this was a long lunch. Yeah. And one of the first times we saw each other and really deeply chatted, it was actually why turnover is completely irrelevant because those are just the sound bites, the clickbaits, the things that you can talk about online. But fundamentally, are you putting yourself first? What are you taking home? Mm. And are you are you at the centre of your business or are you just actually creating quite a stressful job for yourself that fundamentally you don't like? So numbers are perhaps not everything would be one of the thoughts there. What would you add, Rachel, as something that you kind of wish everyone knew or did around their money? So my role within the business up until very recently was speaking to every single prospective client. So we've scaled from a one-man band on our dining room table to a business with 750 clients in three years. And I spoke to every single one of them up until two months ago. And second to putting yourself first, it would be planning and saving for tax. Normally on those calls, as an accountant with business owners from you know multi-million pound turnover all the way through to a side hustle, people are terrified. And so often on those calls, people mention a feeling or an emotion before they ever mention a number. And most of those feelings and emotions come from brown envelopes, the fear of someone knocking on their door, the fear of getting investigated, or the fear of getting something wrong. And lots of, for lots of people, like filing your own tax return is like walking through airport security. You know you haven't done anything wrong, but you're still like a bit sweaty, a bit nervous. Yes. You're thinking, don't pick me, don't pick me, don't pick me. That's and a so, great analogy. And it's it like really going is. through the nothing to declare, but yeah, being like, yeah. have I got a you know very rare piece of cheese in my bag? L- literally, literally. <laughs> to get me arrested. 100%. And so, yeah, planning and saving for tax, just really sort of understanding that HMRC are here to protect everybody fundamentally but also make sure that people are doing the best that they can to the best of their knowledge and so that's where very often having an accountant can help people but if you put yourself first you're planning and saving for tax two steps ahead of everybody else yeah do you find that a lot of people think they're the only one that struggles with their finances for sure they're like oh no everyone else is feeling really confident or managing it well it's just me and it almost I think then becomes this kind of like shameful secret or thing that they really beat themselves up for I think especially when they see on social media all the good things they don't realize what it takes to get there or what's happening in the background and Mm. like things that are going wrong Rachel gets it all the time don't you yeah and I, I really feel like with accountant she which is my personal brand the fundamental goal of accountant she is community bringing business owners together sharing numbers sharing the behind the scenes sharing the good bits the bad bits everything in between the stuff that you'll never be able to talk about which we say all the time like the HR stuff the like the real nitty-gritty behind the scenes but everybody feels alone in that and we go through periods of feeling alone and we share it like we have half of the loneliness of anybody else and we still feel really alone one of the best things we did I think was when we started having board meetings so every month we have a board meeting and then eventually we started having an external person come along with us mm-hmm. and that was someone that knew our industry and we could talk to them about all the things that was going on and they made us feel better about what we were doing and how we were doing it and a lot of our clients they don't have board meetings they don't speak to people at the end of the month they just carry on doing things by themselves and I think they need to have somebody else to speak to. Yeah I find that concept of doing board meetings really interesting because I feel like in business on a financial level actually the essentials is quite a short list like really the essentials are and I don't know why I'm claiming that I can list this when I've got two very qualified (laughs) accountants in front of me Um, but you know it's basically just doing what you need to do to do your tax returns and VAT returns if you need to do them right stay compliant 
Yeah, at like a basic level, isn't actually that much. It's bookkeeping. And if you want to pay an accountant to do it all, you can basically not ever really be that aware of the numbers. And I wonder how many of us, myself included, are kind of missing out on perhaps the non-essentials, but very helpful habits and activity, like perhaps a board meeting, which would help us with our business finances. Yeah, if I could do one thing that we do now from the beginning and go back in time, it would be board meetings from month one. So, and again, like there's lots of learning to be done there, lots of misconceptions around what board meetings look like. It like, is it this big boardroom? For us, it's a team's room. <laughs> we all meet remotely every single month. James and I are the only shareholders. And so by us saying we have board meetings, it doesn't mean that we don't own the equity in our company. So we're the only shareholders, but we now have two external non-executives. They don't work in the business advisors. One is an ex-Dragon from Dragon's Den's business partner, and the other is a practice owner who owns an accountancy practice five times the size of ours. And so all of the growing pains that we're going through now, they've been through. And so it's just this really open time to talk about problems, go through risk registers. So every single month we walk through every single potential from least likely to most likely risk within the business. And we openly discuss what we're doing to mitigate it, who needs to take action. And then even the accountability, who, when they're starting a business, has monthly accountability. Like yeah. it is fantastic. Yeah, because you never have any of those processes, do you? Because you don't have a boss or a CEO that creates it. And I... I can speak for myself here. I feel like so many of those things you hear, like, you know, board meeting or like I've seen you say in kind of your content before, Rachel, the idea of like doing kind of like an MOT on your finances. And I hear those things and I think, oh, that's like big business stuff. Yeah. And it's like, actually, are we really shooting ourselves in, in the feet by not like building those habits? And we always speak about the financial MOTs combined with financial well-being and like how do they go hand in hand? Mm -hmm. So are you putting yourself first? MOTs, an MOT could be, I'm here from the numbers department, but I'm also here for you. Like how many business owners have dedicated business time, not therapy or wellbeing, but business time that's for them. Mm -hmm. So I am here as an accountant, I'm gonna run your profit and loss. We're gonna look at all of the different ways that you make money, but I'm also gonna get you to compare your profit margin to how much you enjoy that piece of work. Because fundamentally, if it's massive profit margins, but a massive cost, to you as a person, if it's really draining, if it's all one-to-one, -one, it's not scalable, mm. like it's our job to use the numbers yeah. and lean into how you feel about it to then get to, okay, what do we do now? Mm, okay, I wanna dive into like all those different bits in a bit more <laughs> detail then. So you said kind of for you guys, it sounds like the monthly board meetings is something you wish you'd done sooner. So perhaps would be something that you'd see as kind of a, a good non-negotiable for all of us to do within our businesses. Talk people through if they're listening and going, I don't even know what a board meeting would look like in my, you know, let's imagine people listening are generally kind of small business owners, companies of one, maybe they've got, you know, kind of small teams. How, how do you do a board meeting? <laughs> Is that too basic of a question? For us, by being friends with our competitors. Mm. So we have a WhatsApp group, which is just a group of lots of different accountants. And in that group, we share information, we help each other out. And that's how we came across one of the guys that wanted to be on the board with us. But once we found the right person who was in our industry, who was ahead of us, we then knew, okay, right, if we had any questions, they're the person that we can go to. Yeah. And actually, I think other people find it really rewarding being on a board. Do you need other people involved to call it a board meeting? Oh gosh, no, not at all, not at all. Our board meetings before we had formal board meetings were dog walks, bed quarters, shed quarters, like, <laughs> That was our, they, those were our board meetings, but okay. having external parties give you the accountability. We always say they're just basically really posh parrots. They regurgitate what we've said last month and repeat it back to us and say, 
James, last month you said you were gonna do this, you've not done it again, come on, mm. think about the impact. Like, and the thing that I love about having non-execs, and I'm, if you're listening, I'm using finger quotation marks, the reason having non-execs, so people who don't work in your business, they're not shareholders, is their only motivation is you mm. and your success. If we had a board of 10 shareholders, they are all individually motivated to make as much money as possible. Yeah. They're not execs, so their day-to-day life is not impacted by the decisions that they make. They fundamentally love me and James, which is why they're volunteering their time to come and sit on our board. Mm. And they have this really philanthropic sense of investment into us as people, but also our business. Yes. So any decisions that they make, we know are completely impartial to profit, impartial to day-to-day working life for us as mm. business owners. And it comes, like they are for us, their only roles are for us as people. Yeah. Like they love us. They, they've seen us go through the last three years of the highs, the lows, everything in between. And their role is to be advisors to our personal life as well as our business life. Yeah. I really like that idea you shared, James, of having people on your board that are your, you know, quote unquote, like you said, your quotation marks, your competitors. And having those people that, as you said, are kind of impartial, but have... I guess, a knowledge base that is relevant for what you do. And I, I wonder even for some people listening that might think, I wouldn't even know where to begin with that, perhaps even finding like a fellow business owner and almost kind of facilitating each other's reviews. And like you said, it, it maybe sounds like it's more so just having someone else there. I'm even wondering now, I'm talking like, how many of my client calls end up being a little bit like what you're talking about there, where you're kind of, you know, whether you're paying them or not, having someone external to kind of hold the space, ask the questions. If people are kind of, doing a board meeting then you know like you said back in the days where you would do it just the two of you if someone's doing it kind of by themselves or you know their business partner what is my tick list of what I am doing in a board meeting because that's where I get stuck I sit down I go okay Alice time to work on the business and then I just go in circles and sit on TikTok for 20 minutes (laughs) what do I need to do for it to be a successful board meeting I think the beauty of a board meeting is that like you said it gives you that time to work on the business so if you have it every month, you put that time aside every month, you know, right, I'm going to use that time and I'm going to improve the business rather than getting my head stuck on field work or whatever. You start off with something very basic and each month you improve the process. So if it's just yourself and you're starting off, you go, okay, right, I need to learn the basics. And I always, I mean, we're accountants, so we start financially and we go, okay, right, let's look at profit and loss and let me get these numbers correct. And then once I understand my profit and loss, I'll look at my savings. So the first month you might go, okay, profit and loss, tax savings, put that aside. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do the first month. Next month, what you might do is go, okay, now I understand that. I've got a process in place for that. How else can I improve the purpose of this meeting? And you go, well, I'm going to put together a risk register. And so you might just go, okay, I'm going to list down three to five things which I think are potential risks for the business. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to plan ahead to mitigate those risks. And it might be that you've got a client that you've just taken on. It's a really large client. And if that client goes, you could lose half your business. So you go, okay, that's a risk. To mitigate that risk, I'm going to make sure I'm going to treat them as a key account and I'm going to give them better service. So every time you have a board meeting, you'd improve that process and you'd add something to it to make it better. And kind of help yourself to, I guess, predict some of the things that could potentially go wrong or just are important so that then it's not in six months time you go, oh, crap, the business is in a really difficult position. You've kind of predicted that. And so we traffic like ours. So we have the risk, we have the likelihood, red, amber, green, that that is to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the impact that it would have if it did happen. Ooh, so if it's a triple red, we can't. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it's so, because it's quite easy to be like, 
again, with two accounts running a business, we're both a bit like doomsday. Like it, I find it way easier to say weaknesses than I do strengths. And so it, I would find it really easy to fill a risk register with potential risks for the business. Yeah. But actually red, amber, greening, the likelihood that they are to happen and the impact that they would have if they did happen mm. becomes, you can literally zoom out and just treat it like a heat map and be like, right, red, let's go. Yes. And so things like cash flow planning, the impact of cash flow would be a red. Like if you run out of cash, you got problems, bright red. Likelihood that they are to happen if you are planning and saving for tax, setting money aside and paying yourself, low. Very low likelihood, but yeah. high impact. And so that is very important, but it's not urgent. So you can park that one. But it could be that you maybe have a client that makes up 50% of your revenue who's not happy. There might have been a problem, like you're a service-based business owner, something's gone wrong, something's gone wrong behind the scenes. Mm. What are we doing about that? One of the biggest things, so I act as a board member for a 45 million pound charity all the way through to our business, which is just me and James. One of the biggest selling points of doing board meetings for other business owners is it can increase the valuation of your business. So if we wanted to sell StriveX tomorrow, we could sell it for... 1.2 million pounds if we wanted to sell the business plus me and james on a retention for a year we could probably double the valuation of the business mm -hmm. because we can prove that for the last 18 months we've been able to identify acknowledge and mitigate every single risk that has appeared on our risk register in the last 12 months business is still functioning cash flow is still great any staffing problems recruitment problems client problems we've identified measured the impact and then responded to them so that the business is still functioning yeah. And so in that case, if I want to sell StriveX, I can sell StriveX for 1.2 million, but I can get myself and James on a 12 month retention bonus of an extra 1.2 million pounds. And so having board meetings and being able to prove that you as the business owner that can't like, you can't put that risk register through ChatGPT. You can't put that through a spreadsheet or a model to build yeah. that thing that you feel in your gut, you know, the client base, you know, your business. And mm -hmm. so having board meetings stage one is getting you to a point of confidence stage two and beyond is actually I can use these board meetings to increase the valuation of my business yeah. to then sell it exit phase myself out make you know increase the volume on the passive bits of my business but mm. that risk register I know very few business owners who sit down every month and look at all of the risks in their business and yeah. understand how to mitigate them and you're probably doing all of it already but you're probably doing it when it's on fire not when it's warm whereas we are literally like cold 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 slightly warm right what we're we doing about that mm. and so from a personal perspective in terms of putting ourselves first whether it's quality of life or finance that's happening at day one the minute it increases by one degree yeah such a simple thing that is so hard to prioritize isn't it it's just the time to step back review reflect look forwards and just chat things through it, it sounds like that habit of having that board meeting also helps you to be much more in control of where the business is going I definitely, and I can speak for myself, it sometimes feel like the business happens to me and it feels a bit <laughs> accidental. It's like, oh, I spoke to you guys at lunch today saying, like, oh, it's going really well at the moment. And then I was like, oh, it's going well because I sat down at the start of October and planned how it was going to go well. And oh, maybe there's a link between when I think about it, things actually then end up changing. Um, and so I think that habit, I'd imagine, is really helpful as well in just having the space to step back and go, how are things doing and what do we want to do moving forwards and not in six months have a business that looks the same as it did six months ago but kind of actively work on it what would be another kind of financial habit or activity that you kind of wish more business owners had you know on their to-do list you said before Rachel about kind of like a money MOT or thinking about your kind of financial well-being so what else could the people listening be doing what money is theirs what is the tax pass that Ooh. seems to be how all small businesses struggle 
So if even if you're not that registered and you receive an income, what a lot of our clients end up doing is they'll earn their living for the year, pass over their records for the tax return. We'll say, this is your tax. And they'll go, right, I better start saving for that. <laughs> that terrifies me. <laughs> but that tax is from income that you've earned. And so what ends up happening is these business owners are always in arrears to themselves. And so it, it's, again, setting those processes where at the end of each month you go, I've earned this profit. I'll put that away for VAT at the end of the quarter. I'll put that away for corporation tax. And at the end of the tax year, they've got all the savings already to pay the tax bill. And yeah. then anything that's left is their spending. So we've talked quite a bit on previous episodes about that kind of profit first being one of the ways that you can do that, of like having those percentages of revenue that you put aside. And I 100% do that now because I learned it the hard way. My first year of business didn't save for tax, big scary envelope and lots more scary envelopes afterwards because I was not in a position to pay that money. And now I'm so like on the opposite end of that spectrum. You know how you said doing it at the end of the month? I do it with every payment that comes yeah. into the business. <laughs> so every day I will go, right, 200 came in today, times that by 15%, that's in that pot, 7% in that pot. It, it's a basic habit, isn't it? But I, the amount of clients, and they won't mind me saying, cause you know, now they're on the other side of it and they've got their management, great. But I hear so many clients who are like, yeah, I've just got one pot. It's got 30 grand in it. I don't know what that money's for. Is it my tax bill? Yeah, and it could be that actually once they've set stuff aside for tax, actually like, dude, you got 25 pound. Or it could be, you got 10 grand. What Like, what are you gonna do to invest that? And I feel so much in our experience, like it's not, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. We're not taught this stuff at school. If you go from employment to self-employment, you've gone from getting a pay slip with your net pay, which already has tax accounted for, done. Yeah. The employment equivalent of being self-employed is if you're on a 40 grand salary, you get 20K in January, 20K in June, gross. And someone says, don't forget to plan safe tax. And you're like, well, no one's taught me how, I'm not going to. Like mm -hmm. that is the equivalent. And so suddenly you become self-employed, which you can do in four clicks on the government website or incorporate a limited company following my YouTube video and actually past that, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? People who are listening to this podcast to find out how to plan and save a tax because mm -hmm. actually fundamentally HMRC and the education system at school is not teaching them. So if you do feel like that, if we've triggered you through any of the things that you've just had in your ears, step one is it's not your fault. And yeah. step two is ask for help. Mm, that's great advice. I feel like it's kind of like the, the basic level, isn't it? It's just making sure you've got that tax saving and you haven't got that big like one lump of money but actually you can kind of look at your bank or your multiple accounts and like see everything split out. Yeah, and the one thing that all of the things we've spoken about so far have in common is control. It's mm. making you feel like you're in control. If every single month you're putting money aside for tax, you're putting money aside for future plans, we take our team on an all-inclusive, all-expenses-paid holiday every single year and every single month we set aside cash of one twelfth of what we think that's going to be next year. We are scaling really, really rapidly. We're taking on new members of staff every couple of months. So we set mm. we set cash aside for their equipment. So laptops are expensive, workwear is expensive. We set cash aside every single month. And so just, it's a muscle that you build, but that puts you back in control. Then mm. one step further, you're having board meetings, you've got advisors, you've got people who've made the mistakes that you're about to step into and can say, wait, just hold fire, have you thought about this? Yeah, It's all control. That, that sense of feeling out of control as a business owner and take over. So it all comes back to feeling it. Mm, and I guess with money, it's kind of the w one of the only things where if you ignore it, it absolutely will never ever get better. Oh yeah, like, there is no it's chance too fake. It's too that fake. by ignoring it, it will improve by itself. Um, what's your encouragement for people that feel when they're in a position of like, I just can't see the wood for the trees. Like, you know, I absolutely felt that way in my first year of business of like, I've made this big mistake. You put so much kind of shame and kind of guilt on yourself. You think I'm the only one. You think there's no way I can be in a better position than this. Um, do you kind of hear that from 
quite a lot of people and what do you say to them because it's a tough spot to be in isn't it especially with money which can feel like such a kind of taboo topic very taboo lots of shame mm. attached to it even as accountants it is a huge step to even reach out to an accountant and we're very much like you can try before you buy you can consume my content there's hours of content of me on the internet and yeah that feeling of approachability i'm at the top end of the spectrum in terms of approachability you can get to feel for our business our culture our approach mm. before you do that and it's still a huge leap for people to reach out and ask for help so if you are in a situation where if you see on your ring doorbell that you've got a letter your first thought is god what is that yeah just seek help whether that is speaking to hmrc we're now post pandemic the advisors are actually really trained in welfare and well-being as well as tax planning and tax management mm. you can set up payment plans you can speak to an accountant mm. very often our first call is completely free and we can signpost you to the right resources just asking for help is normally the first thing and very often for us like our clients and our client base is very vocal they literally share on their Instagram stories when they file their tax return. They do their financial well-being routine or they do financial MOTs and they're talking about it. Yeah. The reason they're talking about it is because they know how impactful it's been in their lives. And actually, as British business owners, we are terrible at talking about money. And by sharing about it and talking about it and celebrating it, actually, you don't know who needs to see that content today. And so we really, really encourage our clients to speak openly about their finances, speak openly about having an accountant, not for our own business benefit, but to actually impact other people because just chipping away at that shame mm. and hearing other people and watching other people who've got to the point of pride and feeling like, yeah. And it happens so quickly, so quickly. Yeah. In the space of six months, you could be in an entirely different place. Mm, I think that's really helpful for people to hear because it's realizing isn't it like you're not the only one you can change and if you put in the work I mean I'm happy to be a case study of it like you can get to a point where actually you're like ah oh, smash my financial management everything feels good no scary tax bills but again they're like we all put so much pressure on ourselves to do it but we're not taught how to do it like if you got in a car you couldn't drive yeah like you pay for why do we all yeah like why do we all just assume that we can that's so true run a business start a business immediately plan and save for tax like mm. One of those things I think we're not taught about, I mean, we're not taught about anything in business, are we? There's no no HMRC business school that you get directed to once you sign up online. But I feel like one of the things that's not often spoken about online, which James, you alluded to at kind of the start of this recording, is the idea of like how your money or your finances and kind of your personal state interact. You guys have both said it a few different times, kind of that idea of like, financial well-being and I'm not very used to like well-being and finances sitting in the same sentence let alone being like its own phrase as two people that have like scaled a, a incredibly you know profitable business and yourselves have kind of built up wealth how, like has that been a big learning of realizing actually it's not all about the numbers there's kind of a personal life connected to this as well yeah we made a quite a big decision this year didn't we so Rachel and I because we're growing quite quickly Sometimes the, the onboarding and the prospects and the administrative burden is a lot more than most businesses our size. And so that was putting pressure on Rach and I to deal with that administrative time. And so we are at the decision where we either stop taking on as many clients to turn the tap off for a bit and then carry on, grow, get a bit more profit, um, and then use that profit in the future to pay, pay for staff, or we just take a cut in our salary. And we came to the decision that we want to grow the business. It's too stressful it is, so we'll just take a little cut on our salary because that'll help us out in the long run. It'll be next week's episode about our journey of being life partners and business partners. I feel in so many ways we're so lucky because we catch each other 
like that decision of hiring someone before we planned to before we wanted to we were on a dog walk and I literally stopped James and said nothing is more important to me than you I'll spend that money if I get my husband back it's not more important and it worries it worries me how many people go through that journey alone and don't have people to like spot those like really intimate incremental changes in your well-being whether it's stopping playing sport like choosing to work over doing things that fundamentally will get you to a point of like having really bad mental health but we literally it'll be next week's episode but that was such a it was one of those moments in business where I remember thinking like I'll remember this moment for the rest of my life because by the sounds of it it was the realization or perhaps just the confirmation for both of you that like the money isn't everything spoiler alert to any accountants you can't plan everything on a spreadsheet like we didn't know that at this point at a million pound valuation the business will behave differently and need different resources than it did last year Mm. so one of our board members his business is five times the size of ours his onboarding team is half the size of ours because we are scaling so rapidly and so there are just isms of our business that we couldn't have planned for. And actually park the spreadsheet, nothing is more important than you. And I think, I really hope that's as powerful coming from two accountants as it should be. Mm. Nothing is more important than you. You can't plan everything on a spreadsheet. As long as you're doing the right thing and you're being a great person, you're trying your best. Mm. You'll be fine and you'll run an incredible business. Because you don't see it online, do you? You see all these shiny numbers and the kind of expectation is why I'm running a business and businesses should grow year on year. So if we made this last year, then we need to make this higher number, you know, next year. And I'm not saying that's not a goal that would be relevant for, for many people, but I guess that idea of kind of financial growth at any expense sounds like a lesson you've both kind of learned, not necessarily the hard way, but you've realized actually that's not something we're interested in. Yes, we could potentially push to make more at an even more rapid rate, but actually what would that mean for our relationship, our mental health, our physical health? Has that been kind of a, a lesson of this year for the two of you? This year and early last year, wasn't it? I think with any growth, there comes an expense. Whether you put money in, you get investment or, or investment of time. Something has to give to get you to that next level. Mm-hmm. So whether it's moving from one person to the next person or two people to three people, something has to has to give. Yeah, and we always say like with salaries we were talking about it earlier we are very core values like people don't get on buses if they don't know where they're going every single team member knows where we're going they understand the core values that we adhere to clients adhere to it the team adhere to it we adhere to it and fundamentally we pay our team really really well not because we are really wholesome loving people we're also that but also because we are buying headspace i'm buying the ability to give you a task and trust that you will deliver it to the same if not better standard than i would do it myself i'm buying our headspace our trust our ability to be to have a team of managers that manage in exactly the same way that we would and so we had a member of staff recently that we promoted from an accountant to a manager Mm -hmm. and she's in her 20s 17 and a half grand pay rise very aware that in a more corporate world with a different boss in a different team structure that would have been right five grand now for three months perform xyz then in another three months it'll be another five grand in another three months it'll be another five grand and then if at the end of it you do backflip i'll give you the extra two and a half (laughs) done whereas actually for us no firstly you're worth it now secondly sorry james i think this is what happens when young women are hiring and promoting other young women Mm. who never feel good enough never feel ready and that was us voting with our feet this is an incredibly talented accountant who needed nurturing to jump up to that role and we both sat down and said this isn't an ego boost for you we want our money's worth but you're absolutely worth it and i think Mm -hmm. money is a tool that we all have Mm -hmm. 
at the beginning you're doing it to like hit certain revenues hit certain milestones but the point that we're at now where the business and our income and our wealth is over and above what we ever thought it would be actually now we use money in a different way which is to buy back the stuff that we gave up to get here and you guys were sharing before just you know kind of off-air conversations that we've had always sounds so elusive when people say yeah, that off-air like, oh what do you talk about when you're not here <laughs> record spoiler alert this is exactly what might have yeah, just hang out sound like. <laughs> really nerdy. Yeah, we just talked like this for eight hours. You've talked to me kind of personally before about the life audits that the two of you do. Is that something that's helped you to realise and think about kind of what the business is doing for you personally and not just have that kind of tunnel visioned view on just thinking about profit? And if it has, what does a life audit look like? So I do them in every single consultancy session. So my, my minimum period of working for consulting is six months. The first thing that we do is a quality of life audit. I don't know other business owners that without us telling them to do them. So quality of life audit is, do you want to do it actually? Because you built, you built the spreadsheet. Yes, we basically work out what, what style of life somebody wants, what that looks like financially, how much they need to take from the business. So I don't know what that is, four or five, 10, 15 grand a month could be anything depending on the person. And then we'll work backwards. So we'll back calculate the personal tax. That'll tell us what we need from the company. Then we'll add the corporation tax on that and that'll tell us the profit we need from the company. Mm -hmm. And then once we know what the company needs to be generating to get that style of life, you then go, okay, well, how do we make the company do that for the person? But you're kind of reverse engineering it, isn't it? So often people start with the business because that's what you see on social media, right? Six-figure business or 10K month or whatever it might be. Whereas actually revenue, as we speak about all the time, Rach, personally, like revenue is actually quite irrelevant to your end, like you said, personal pay or, or quality of life. Yeah, and we got to the point, we always call it scruffy rich. We got to the point where we thought we were scruffy rich, which is we now have a, bin- a business that's worth a million pounds, but our socks had holes in, James was around the same t-shirt for like six months, you know, and we had just Had a few washes in between. Yeah, like <laughs> we weren't <laughs> spending money. We weren't spending money. And actually the reality was, as business owners, outside of work, we just want to chill. And so for the first year that we did a quality of life audit, our only goal was by the end of this year, can we afford to shop at M&S? Now I hammer people in quality of life audits and say, right, tell me what direct debits you need. Tell me how much money you physically need to live off. Then tell me where you want to be and think really big. So you've got your outgoings, you've got your mortgages, you've got all of the boring stuff. Then what do you want? Do you want a clothes budget? Do you want a food pot? Do you want an eating out budget? Do you want a well-being therapy? Do you want to get your nails done? Like in an ideal world, what makes this worth it to you because we all sacrifice a lot to do this what makes it worth it so we really have to push people we have to push ourselves and it happened incrementally the first year we were like oh maybe we'll just shop at m&s for christmas <laughs> we'll save up we'll shop at asda 51 weeks of the year and then just one at christmas now we shop at m&s all the time we've got clothes budgets fun money pots a holiday pot over and above personal tax corporation tax we've got a portfolio of rental properties so every single month we save money into a rental property pot and at the end of every year, we decide if we want to keep playing Monopoly or pay off a mortgage. Let's talk about that. You little Monopoly do this. <laughs> um, I have to conclude by that. I love that idea of a quality of life audit. I think that's something, especially kind of this time of year, like start of 2024, probably a great chance for people to kind of sit down. And like you said, those questions you don't really ever give yourself permission to ask. Maybe they feel selfish or it feels you don't let yourself even dream of like, what would I actually like? you know, my day-to-day to to look like? What do I want to be able to buy, to do? You know, we work so damn hard. We may as well, or, you know, we deserve to and we should take control of them what that hard work does for us. And I think for most people, the reality is that actually, in order to get the life that you want, it's not that wildly different financially. Mm -hmm. It's just that intentionality of, that's going in that pot, that's going in that pot, that's going there, I'm doing that. Like, you will get lifestyle inflation. Your lifestyle will inflate as your 
income does but mm. fundamentally once you go past your basic needs being met other than driving a porsche like what else can you physically spend money on i don't i literally don't know mm. so the first thing is it's never as much as you think it's going to be yeah. to get the life that you want and the second is by reverse engineering all of the tax we literally just give you a turnover figure and say in order for you to have all of those things 12 grand a month and then you know if I'm at the 20th of the month and I've done 10, cool, go on my Instagram stories and start talking about a service that I offer or, you know, like, it's just control. Yeah. You are in control. Or if you've got a month where you want to take two weeks off on holiday, you know that in the six weeks leading up to that, you need to do two months divided by the number of weeks that you've got. Like, you're in control. You are in control. That's a great reminder. And I guess as well, part of that quality of life audit is also thinking about, like, your workload and where your time is spent and generally just, like, it's so basic, but I think not something we often do, just ask yourself like, is this what I want? And if it's not, what can I change? So great reminder for people there. Speaking of kind of rental properties, wider than that, obviously the topic being kind of making your profit and the money that you get from your business work hard for you. This is one of those topics that maybe won't be actionable for necessarily everyone listening. But at some point in your business journey, this is obviously a very important conversation, right? You've kind of got, you know, the business is profitable you are building up money. To me, there feels like a very distinct difference between like having some money and building wealth. Building wealth feels like something that I've not really been taught how to do. It feels quite intimidating. You guys have an interesting take, which is that you're quite pro property as an approach to building wealth, as opposed to perhaps some of those more like typical approaches. For people that are listening and going, okay, my business is doing well, what what now do I do with the money? What are your, and I wanna kind of get your individual take. So starting with you, James, like what's your take on how, yeah, you kind of make profit from your business work hard for you? So the original reason we actually wanted properties wasn't really about maximizing our investment. It was more about maximizing the future of our children. So we wanted, or I wanted initially, to have a property for both of our children, which we don't have yet. <laughs> <laughs> so super poor planning yeah because the way that we both grew up was very different so when I, I i was an only child and when i was sort of 18 19 my parents moved into my grandparents house and they essentially let me live rent free in the house that i grew up in and so whilst i was there it gave me the opportunity to save up a deposit to get my own house and it just made that process really smooth and easy for me whereas when rach grew up uh, grew up her mom and dad would charge her rent and she couldn't really get out of that position she then left home without a deposit and then had to rent again and so she couldn't get on the property ladder so one of the things we wanted to do was make sure that and if we like our kids or not i hope we would oh, <laughs> we wanted to give them the best start in life yeah. so that's why we bought two properties initially mm, okay. um but you know whether you put the money into a pension or, or property or, or some other sort of investment we're not financial advisors but it worked out very well for us at the time because that's when the properties increased quite significantly and when all the investments went down in that year so i don't know if it was luck or not but mm -hmm. that's that's the reason we did it mm, gotcha and what would be your take on kind of how business owners should or could approach kind of building wealth or even i guess it'd be interesting to see like what you feel the differences between just like having money and actually actively building that long-term wealth yeah, I guess it's whether they want to increase their own wealth or their like, generational wealth. Um, I think they're two very different things. If it's their own wealth, then really they just need to be interested in inflation and find something that's getting them more money than, than what inflation is. But if it's generational wealth, then there's lots of different things to think of because it might be that you send your children to private school so you have no money, but actually that gives them the opportunities which you might have not had. And that's something actually I couldn't answer because I've not been to private school and I was rich, but... <laughs> 
Neither have I. Yeah. <laughs> so and we're doing all right. So. We're, we're doing all right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Rach, what would you add to this? Yeah, so property for, for both of us gave us an element of security. Self-employment means that we don't pay into a pension. And so we wanted to have an asset that made us feel secure. We've got great tenants. We have core values as landlords. Mm-hmm. And we've got this great like team of, of tenants. They all live on the same road. It's very wholesome. So property served a couple of different points for us. We've had the conversation offline before about actually if you're looking at a market, if you're looking and considering different investments, if you run the numbers, is there an investment that will give you a better return than your own business? As we've scaled the business, Strivex has had a 400% growth rate. There is no no investment on the market that could give me £400 for every £1 back apart from Strivex. And so through control, through board members, board meetings, through strategy, through making sure that our personal needs are met. Once you go past that point, what do you do with that cash? And for us, that's always been property and the business Mm. so the business has scaled faster we've taken on team members sooner we're protecting the team's well-being nobody's working over capacity we're hiring sooner than we need people to do yeah and so one of the best bits about being self-employed is that you can't pass a job down to your children you can't pass a business Mm. can't sell a job you can sell your business yeah that's the thing that people forget yes so you can do a quality of life audit you can work out how much money you need to take out I could be taking out a six-figure salary and still have a seven-figure business that I can sell, which is a scalable, movable mm. asset. Yeah. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is if your business isn't sellable or that's not a direction that you want to take it in, thinking of what the alternative kind of long-term options are. Because as, as great as it would be, you know, and it'd be absolutely fine to one day, like say with my business, for example, shut it and go, okay, it served me for a season. If I didn't ever think about kind of long-term investments, you know, and I couldn't sell it, technically the day it stops would be the day that it stops doing anything for me. And it feels quite backwards to be working so hard and not see that long-term view. But what you have got is a cash cow. And a cash cow is a business that is spitting out cash, Yes, isn't hugely worth something completely separate to that. And so your priority is what can I do with that cash? Exactly if you that. can't fuel that into increasing the value of the business, or if even if it's not saleable, how can you invest that money into your business to create more cash? Then, then that's where you have conversations with financial advisors. And we've said to you before, our approach to buying property is not tax efficient. We are two accountants running a business and our approach to finances is not tax efficient. But fundamentally that gives us the ability to sleep at night. We've got protection in markets where the housing market is going crazy. We have that protection. Mm. And so our approach to finance is putting ourselves first. I think that that's it, isn't it? It's, it's just that reminder for people of actually, well, there's already so much from this practically for people to take away, but that feels really timely. What you said there, I'm hearing it from a lot of people is people just realizing actually, I want and need this business to be doing more for me financially because it's so easy isn't it to see your tax return and you see those numbers and it's kind of like what what what, where's that money gone or what's that done for me and for people I could keep asking about this topic forever but we will need to get on to our second episode coming out next week so I guess it's kind of a a closing thought you said there you know if people are listening and thinking I've got a, a cash cow business to use your phrase you know maybe down the line I won't sell it so I've got to think how do I use the money it's generating to improve my life or build me wealth what would be your guys kind of recommended first steps or or tips for those people if they're thinking yep that's what i need to do what now probably speak to financial advisor (laughs) (laughs) yeah and if you would prefer to read a book which is way cheaper uh rich dad poor dad is a really really good book it is um very entry level it was hugely relatable to me as someone who didn't grow up with money Mm. grew up in the 
in the poorer end of the spectrum. Rich Dad Poor Dad is the story of somebody who had his dad and then his best friend's dad. Both had very different money mindsets and it teaches you, it's, it, some of the stuff's a bit outdated now, but fundamentally, like, that book changed my approach to money and it teaches you how to treat your life as a balance sheet rather than a profit and loss. So many people are on this, like, hamster wheel of wages, spend, wages, spend we got asked recently are you going to pay us early for christmas no obviously not i don't want you to have to have a a, a pay that's going to have to last you six weeks like that's not sustainable yeah i'd rather give you financial education than pay you early for christmas mm-hmm. and so so many people are on that hamster wheel of getting paid and then spending it but that shift of rich dad poor dad is okay if i'm having to spend that money can i invest it somewhere else that's generating me more money and so if you do get into a high tax bracket that's then when we're talking to you about things like putting that into a pension it's completely tax-free for you as a business owner you can invest up to sixty thousand pounds in a pension completely tax-free every single year could be things like angel investment so if you have passions outside of work if you have a skill set that you could offer to somebody else there's really great tax wrapping in the uk through schemes like seis and eis mm-hmm. which protect investments so if the company makes a loss for every one pound that you invest in an angel as an angel into a startup only 17p of it is actually at risk and so really great opportunities to turn your life into a balance sheet rather than a profit and loss and so really great book recommendation we'll put the link in the show notes but it's rich dad poor dad yeah that's a great recommendation in there and james kind of maybe to round us off but like we've shared so many of both of you not we i've shared nothing i've just asked questions (laughs) you two have shared so many kind of really actionable and practical things people can do kind of like i said at the start of this episode on top of that like essential money management if people are going to leave this episode and maybe do do one thing add one habit to their month or or do something on their laptop or with a notebook to kind of improve their financial well-being or their wealth management or just their kind of finances in general what's your recommendation i think it would be to find out what their north star is their end goal and what the steps are to get there and then on the way make sure that you put in money aside for tax (laughs) so we have a north star and the north star every time we make a decision will it get us towards that north star but having that final goal just makes life a lot easier because then you know that every decision you make is is going to get you to where you want to go something i find so refreshing about hearing the both of you speak about money is how little you are obsessed with money does that make sense (laughs) like you're both accountants your whole world is about yeah numbers and and finances and you're obviously very kind of knowledgeable in the space but from what you're sharing here you don't i think the assumption would be oh you guys must sit down and it's all about the numbers and everything is maximize profit grow revenue and you guys do that still in a really effective way but it feels like so much more holistic approach such a consideration there of like lifestyle and sustainability and actually perhaps not just making more because that's the thing you do, but actually question what that money does for you in the short term, in the long term, for yourself, for future generations. One of the best bits about being an accountant is seeing the inside of other people's businesses as well. And we work with people who have side hustles all the way up to 10 million pound businesses. And we get to see the approach that makes it versus the approach that doesn't. That's why we are this way, is Mm -hmm. we see what works. We see inside the businesses of some of the fastest scaling, most successful, happiest, unhappiest, wholesome, toxic, businesses in the UK we get to take the best bits and especially for me as a content creator I get to try and pass that on to other people so like we create content which is what I spent this week business owner edition where I go to my bank statement and tell you what I spend because fundamentally like that's what breaks it down that's Mm -hmm. what people get to see what we're doing how we're doing it but the reason we have had to turn the volume up on our gut feel and turn the volume down on the numbers is because that's what works oh 
feel like it's a perfect note to end on and a great kind of undertone for people to, like you said, come on, see your content. I mean, now that I know I'm, that you've said, and you've said that, I'm like, wow, everything I see is like the creme de la creme yeah. based on these like <laughs> hundreds of business owners that you've kind of analyzed and seen and spoken with. And yeah, I just think the way like you two are so kind of generous in the advice that you share. And I can attest to that as well as a, as a friend. You guys literally asked when we were at lunch today, like, what could we help you with with your finances? And I was like, <laughs> well, where did the lobbyists begin? <laughs> so genuinely, like, thank you for, for everything that you share. And people can find all of your links for Rachel, for Accountant She, for your brand, for StriveX as well, for all of the different bits that you offer in the show notes. And then they need to make sure to subscribe because this is part one. And we'll be back next Tuesday talking more about not your knowledge, but your story and your experiences, which I feel like you've hinted at really nicely yeah. here. I think people are going to be excited <laughs> for that. So um, I won't say goodbye. Um, I'll see you in next week's episode.